The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. So a couple of things I want to do before we jump into looking at, uh, you'll see the message title is uh, Tom, throwback to Tom Petty, when I won't back down. And some of you that are younger will go, who's Tom Petty and the song, but Google it. It's it played all over the place. Uh, how many of you that are here today and watching with us online uh, found us because of Google or an internet search or something like that? How many is that? Just put your hands, put them up. How many of you found us because somebody invited you? Somebody told you about us? Okay, keep your hands up. After we're done today, we want to hear your stories. We're glad you're here, however you found us. We're trying to capture those stories of how people get invited or how, who said, hey, come and check it out. And we have some people with some little iPhone cameras. And we're going to get a little five-second little thing where all you're going to say is, hi, my name's in your name. And I was invited by whoever invited you. That's all we want to get from you. We're going to put that all together, a big montage to celebrate that and have some fun with that. So uh, after we're done today, make sure you check out, uh, go to the Welcome Center, and there'll be people out there. We'll quickly take you, honestly, five seconds to get the whole thing done. Several years ago, there was a family that attended our church, a young couple, Tom and Ksenia Madsen. Uh, they're in the military. Uh, he's in the military. They got... Uh, restationed somewhere else. And uh, Ksenia uh, is her home country is, is Russia. She's from Moscow. And you can tell when you talk to her and listen to her. And she emailed me this week, just heartbroken over what's going on in the Ukraine and seeing things that are going on there and wondering, she's thinking about flying in there at some point and knows of some churches and some ministries that are right there on the ground. And, and so as we were talking about it, uh, thinking we've wanted to get involved there and help out perhaps with a ministry, with some things. And there's the big, huge things you can give to. And some of you have already done that. And we love, we encourage you to do that. We like it better when it can be more specific and more targeted to a particular pastor, church leader, a missions organization like that. But rather than me just get up here and just go on and on about it, Ksenia uh, from uh, somewhere in Michigan, shot this quick little iPhone video. Take a look. Hello, Crosspoint Church. My name is Ksenia Madsen. I used to go to this church when my husband was stationed in California, and then we had to leave. Um, now I, need, I live in Michigan, and my husband is deployed in Europe. Um, God had put uh, something very special on my heart. Uh, it's to help Ukraine. My husband and I went there three months before the war started for our delayed honeymoon. And right now I see the cities that I've been to recently being bombed and people running away from there, from their homes. They're leaving everything behind. They have nothing. Uh, I know a pastor in Ukraine, in Zaporozhye. I will show you where. This is the map of Ukraine. You can see the borders right here. And this is Zaporozhye, kind of in the middle of Ukraine. This is Mariupol, the hottest spot right now. Look at what has become of it. The city is completely destroyed. People are running out. The church in Zaporozhye is helping to evacuate people from Mariupol and from areas around it. 
I just spent an hour and a half on the phone with the pastor of this church, and he has been so unbelievably full of joy in Jesus, and he shared uh, with me all about the miracles that God makes there. He says that when they evacuate people, sometimes they sit in the bus being not believers, and they get off of the bus believing in Jesus Christ. So if anything, any good coming from this whole situation is that people start believing in God. But this church right now needs help. They need support and they need finances. I will tell you what they're going to go for. They need to buy gas for buses to evacuate people. They need to change tires. Right now, one bus needs a tire change. Uh, they need to buy more medical supplies and more uh, food for people who are running from the cities that are being bombed. Um, they help people with money because a lot of people just lost their jobs. Uh, they feed people at church so people who lost their jobs at least can come there and eat. Uh, I'm looking for support. I'm raising support for this church and I'm raising humanitarian aid and I hope to fly out there to uh, meet with the pastor and uh, transfer the aid that I will collect. Um, Crosspoint, I'm asking you to participate and help with um, finances uh, that could save lives, that could help people um, find God that could help people see God's miracles in their life. Um, thank you guys for your hearts, for your church, and for your service to God. I miss you all. Bye. Hello, Crosspoint Church. My name is Ksenia Madsen. We'll have to run that again. So, however God leads you, to be involved with this, you can make out checks to Cross Point Church and memo them to Ukraine, and all that's going to go uh, to this local church and ministry right there in the heart of Ukraine. You can also do the um, go to Cross uh, check seven seven nine seven seven text go to Cross Point to seven seven nine seven seven, and uh, there'll be an option there where you can just drop down and find Ukraine relief and do that. And all week long, you'll have the uh, option to give that way and then we will let them know by the end of this week what we've been able to put together we also have some money in our missions and outreach funds that will probably go to them so however you want to be involved we're just putting that before you as something very specific when Ksenia told me about this and then I thought look at this girl she's going to fly into Ukraine <laughs> and take relief and supplies of what she wants to do and again everything's a moving target you're never quite sure how all that's going to go but just wanted you to see that so um For the, uh, we've been out of our Acts series for the last three weeks because of Easter, and we did an Easter series. Uh, some of you have uh, not been at church in a while or maybe forgot when we've talked about an Acts. So if you've missed church this last year, I'm going to catch you up on everything we've done. I think, what, what's the episode number on right now? 38. So the last 38 weeks of Acts in like 2.37 minutes. Ready? 
Jesus dies, rises again, and he tells his about a hundred or so people, hey, you're going to receive the Spirit. When the Spirit comes on you, this kingdom of God thing is going to grow and expand. It's going to start here in Jerusalem, and then it's going to go to the region to Judea and Samaria, and then it's going to go all over the world. I think they had to think, what is that guy smoking? There's us? How is that going to happen? And then he leaves. He ascends up and he's gone. The Spirit comes. People, the church gets all at once at Pentecost. All these Jewish people become Christians. And then the Samaritan people become Christians. And, and it's crazy because as this is going on, there's a lot of need and difficulty going on in the first century. And so this church is helping people like crazy. Miraculous things are happening. People are being healed. Uh, people are being delivered from oppression and from de- demonic kind of stuff. It's fantastic. And then the guy who's trying to wipe out the cause of Christ, and he has real power and authority behind him. His name is Saul. Uh, he's a terrorist trying to wipe out Christianity. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he becomes a Christian. And he goes from being a guy trying to wipe it out to God says, I'm going to use you to take this now to all the Gentiles all over the world and then believe it or not and it's crazy and nobody saw this coming even though jesus said it was coming even the gentiles non-jewish people are becoming christians and paul and barnabas go out to start uh to go out and take the good news of jesus out to all these churches and they do a big missions kind of a thing a big tour of that area and all kinds of people become christians and they come back and report it back in but then some people who believe the bible and who are going, wait, but this doesn't fit into my boxes. This doesn't, uh, I'm frustrated about this. Say, wait a minute. We have verses in the Bible, in our Torah, that say these Gentiles need to become part of our Jewish faith and our Jewish culture and our Jewish traditions. And there's a big discussion about that. Uh, discussion would be a nice word. There was a fight about it. And not like a fight like this, but like, no, Paul stood up and go, no honking way, man. No no way can we make the Jewish, make Gentile people become Jewish in order to become Christians. A big fight about it goes on. They say, no, that's not what we're going to do here. All that's required is faith in Christ and Christ alone to become a Christian. And then they send out people, a couple of people they send out are a guy named Judas and Silas to go take this news of what they decided here at the headquarters and mothership in Jerusalem and say, Here's the deal. Gentile people do not have to become Jewish. More importantly for the men don't have to get circumcised in order to become followers of Christ. And that's when the story picks back up what uh, Doug just read for us. They get the idea, Paul and Barnabas go, let's go back and visit those churches that we went out and spent about a year traveling around the area here. Let's go back and visit them, see how they're doing See if we can encourage them, disciple them a little more, develop their faith, get them, get them more grounded. Let's go back and visit. And they agree on that. What they disagree on is not the mission, but on the methodology, on the strategy, and <laughs> the staff. Because Barnabas wants to take, we find out later in Colossians chapter 4, Barnabas wants to take his cousin, John Mark, with him. Paul says, no way we're taking John Mark with us. He left us. He left us back on our first journey. You can read about that in Acts chapter 13, verse 13. It says John Mark was going, went out with them to start, and they were barely, barely into this thing, and he decides to go back home. We have no idea why. Um, 
And so there's this conflict that erupts. And uh, there's a, uh, this is a case study in, in conflict, especially when there's conflict. And I don't know if you've been around people who feel like the way of Jesus means we all hold hands in a field and we all sing kumbaya together and just, mm, we all just agree. And whenever there's disagreement or whenever there's even like separation division, that's evil, that's of the devil. And we're going to find out right here in this verse, not so fast. Here's a conflict case study. Now, as you read these verses, it's a little fascinating to wonder, okay, so who was right here? Was, was Barnabas right in saying we should take, we should give John Mark another chance to come with us? Or is Paul right saying no way? And so I want to give you a chance today to vote on that, to find out about that. Now, uh, up on the screen is going to come a website and a little QR code. You can scan your phones. Everybody get your phone out and get it. Go, go look around. Uh, go get on there. Now, don't vote yet because what we're going to do right now is I'm going to be Paul. No, Barnabas. We start with Barnabas. So here's the deal. I'm Barnabas out here making the case. You guys at the jury, you're going to vote on this. And look at me. You have to vote at some point. Don't vote yet. Don't vote yet because you haven't heard yet. Paul goes, look, I, look, I'm not saying John Mark. I'm not telling you that John Mark is a bad guy or that, or that he's a, not a good Christian. I'm just saying he deserted us on the first one and we hadn't even been persecuted yet. We were barely getting going and, and he left. And look, this, when it gets tough, the tough got to get going. You can't just fold your cards and just, eh, this is too difficult. This is hard enough what we're doing here. And we, I got scars here. We got almost got stoned to death in Lystra and Derby. So this, this is hard enough to do when you have good people and all that. So come on, we, we, we can't take him back with us this time. Uh, I, I know he's your family and I know we believe in grace and all that, but the grace of God is so important as we reach these people for Christ, that we can't have John Mark along because what if he folds up again and what do we have to take care of him? The cause is too important. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying for right now, he can't come with us. That's Paul's case. Now Barnabas. Okay. I grant that he left us. Nobody can debate the fact that he he left us. Uh, and he kind of left us hanging there a bit, but he's grown some now. He's grown up a bit. He learned from his mistakes there. And, uh, and let me remind you people here today and Paul, what he did was it whatever it was, he got homesick or it's too difficult. All he did was just go, I don't want to do this right now. I want to just go back home. Let me remind you men and women of the jury today and you, Paul, Saul, whose name is Paul, who used to be Saul, that compared to that, you oversaw the torture, the imprisonment, and the execution of Christians. And when everybody wanted to shut the door on you, everybody wants to shut the door on you, I vouched for you. I said, we should give this guy a chance. Paul, where's that grace? Where's the grace that was extended to you? Shouldn't that be extended to, to John Mark? Right now, come on. There's just a little bit of grace here for this guy. All right, so you've heard both 
You've heard both of the things. You vote now. Which one, and you're not saying one is wrong and one is right. What I want you to do right now is which one do you think is more right than the other? Paul or Barnabas? Which one is more right? And uh, I've got the, the, the results coming in right now. We, we can't get it up. We tried to get it up on the screen. So like live polling and all that stuff. And there was our software kept glitching up and something happened. So uh, right now I have 27 votes. 29 votes. Anyone want to guess who won? Who, who, think, who thinks is right? Right now, 76% of you think um, Barnabas was right. And 24% of you think Paul was the one that was more right, more correct on, on this. It's fascinating. You can keep voting if you want. Try to, if you want to go, I think you only vote once. I won't let you vote multiple times to try to uh, steal the election or whatever. So, um, <laughs> oh, shut up. Sorry. I'm like, Unity, love, faith. This feels like, wait, what in the heck is going on here? How in the world, you know, Paul, they're both, these both guys are going, look, I won't back down. I believe this so strongly that I will not back down. And Paul, who's the guy who's drawn the line here saying, no way, wrote some letters to churches. And he says, look, in, in Ephesians chapter four, he says, make Every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Uh, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. In Romans chapter 12, he says this. He says, as far as it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. And what's fascinating here about this is that Jesus himself even said in Matthew, there's some verses there you can look at in your note sheet. Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter eight. He says, look, when there's a problem between you, you leave your money. Don't, don't give your money in the offering. Leave the place. Go settle things up with that person who you're in conflict with. Settle, get, get things settled up. So it's fascinating here that Paul and Barnabas divide. And they're not even dividing over like some core absolute moral thing or some doctrinal difference. They, they're in full agreement on the mission on who Jesus is, on the Bible, all that stuff. This is about, not absolutes, on anything. This is about methodology, strategy. This is about their own personal convictions and preferences. And it's fascinating. Even without personal convictions and preferences, they couldn't figure out a way to, to get it reconciled. And I think I, I love this because I... From time to time, with really good people, there are sometimes irreconcilable differences. And they're not even about core things. They're not even like things you should divide over, but like we just see this so differently. Which, let me give you a little quick little sidebar here. This is why when <laughs> there's sometimes when like it's a personal, like a, something going on, and it's a relationship thing where you need to break up or kind of go your separate ways. Or, or perhaps in a business thing, in a business you're involved in a partnership, 
a, a community efforts kind of thing, political kinds of deals where we see things so differently. There's sometimes you have to just kind of divide and kind of go your separate ways. That sometimes happens here. The, the one, here's the, the sidebar here. It's not the main point today. This is why the scriptures are going to tell us over and over again. This is for my single friends right now about dating and about God's standards on dating. The why he says, hey, don't get physical. Don't go rush the physical stuff. Because if you do, what happens is you get blind to the fact that the person you're dating is a moron. Or they've got an anger problem. And the time to discover about, look at me, about irreconcilable differences is while you're dating. And so I'm not going to get real graphic with all the... I know over and over again, people said, you know, if we just hadn't slept together, we might have never, ever been together because now we, uh, whatever, he's crazy, she's crazy, whatever it might be. So you don't, I'm telling you that today because some of you are going to hear this and go, okay, irreconcilable differences. Steve's saying it's okay to get divorced. The scripture makes it very, very clear. No, no, that marriage commitment, that covenant's for life. Discover irreconcilable differences while you're dating and date with your clothes on. There we go. That's the sidebar. We'll get back to the main thing here. So whether it's a personal relationship, political stuff, stuff in the business world, whatever, and then even in the church world. Guys, in the last two years, easily a third of our church left to go somewhere else for different reasons. You guys are here because you sort of like our church, I think, at least right now. Can I tell you right now, there's coming a point where you're going to be angry, frustrated, hurt about something I said, a decision I made, or something I did. I'm just telling you it's coming for you. And you're going to get to a place where you go, I'm not sure I can stay there anymore. So here's what I want to tell you to do. Most churches are going to tell you about, no, come on, stay at our church. And I don't, I don't, I'm not pushing anybody out the door. I'm not telling you to leave. But I'm saying, if you have to leave, here's how to leave our church. Here's how to, here's how to separate and do it well, because you can't always stay. Even on things that aren't core and absolute, even if it's about methodology and preferences or th- things like that. So um, I'm going to give you, t- take some time here and look at some scriptures, look at some, some principles here. You can write down for when it's time to go, when you go, I just can't back down, how you do that in a way that honors God. Because sometimes you do, do have to go separate ways. When neither side will budge, when conflict resolution doesn't work, number one, divide without being divisive. Divide without being divisive. In Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon, smartest man who, had lived, who was living at that time, put these, these sayings together. And he says, there are six things that the Lord hates. And he goes, oh, no, no, wait. There's the seventh one. He doesn't just hate it. It's an abomination to him. And he lists out all kinds of stuff about the six, the six things, God's top six list. You know what's an abomination to God? Divisiveness. So if you want to not just make God angry, if you want to be an abomination to God, be divisive even when you have to go your separate ways. You can divide without being divisive. Paul tells uh, Titus in Titus chapter 3, verse 10. He said, Titus was overseeing a network of churches on the island of Crete. And he says this, in your churches, 
If there's a divisive person there, you warn them one time, and then you show them the door. If they keep being divisive, you've got to get that out of that. And I'm telling you, that's not just true for churches. That's true for all kinds of political things, uh, religious things, business kind of world. When you have a divisive person in there, that stuff just gets like a virus and just gets everywhere in the system. And it, sometimes it can become so systemic. Some of you have been part of churches that were like that, where it was just in the thing where everybody's always fighting divisive about everything. What that means is, another way to say <laughs> divide without being divisive is move on without being a moron. Move on without being a moron. And what we tend to do whenever we have been hurt or we're frustrated, we feel like, I just don't like this, is we will start lobbying and recruiting other people to our side to say, well, you should feel this way too and, and do all of that. Um, sometimes we go on the attack. Um, we want to explain why and the righteousness and rightness of our cause and all we're doing is being divisive. Uh, there's a... Uh, Disney did it, uh, the, the musical Hamilton. Some of you may have seen that. There's a famous song in it that all the ad companies are now using and rebranding it. It just says this. Uh, uh, Aaron Burr's advice to Alexander Hamilton is talk less. When it's time to go, just be quiet. Talk less, smile more. Uh, there's a verse in Proverbs. I don't know where the reference is. You can Google it and look at it. It says, when words are many, sin is not absent. And so you go, but I got to say this. And da, 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 da. Mm. You want to be an abomination. You be an abomination to God. When you have to divide, just go out there and make sure everybody knows about all the crazy stuff and how hurt you are and how evil the people are or the company is or the church is. Uh, number two, uh, divide without disrespect. Divide without disrespect. There's lots of different examples of this, but I'm going to give you just some out of the church world since we're at church here uh, today. Sometimes there's things we get so about that are not core and absolute. They're just our preferences. Like at some point, like liturgical church versus contemporary church. Church governance in terms of is it elder-led, staff-led, congregation-led, uh, style of music and style of teaching. Guys, people will get in fights about that. The end times theories about what end times are, the role of women in the church, spiritual gifts, all those things and more. you got to go, look, good Christians see this differently. And so don't have this thinly disguised contempt for people who see that issue differently than you. Even if you say, look... That's what your church believes. I was talking with somebody before the service. They were asking some questions about our particular stance on things. And I said, look, great Christians see this differently. So I'm not even saying we're right. This is what we do. So you got to be in alignment with who we are if you're going to stay here. So we're going to be upfront about that. But if you have to move on in any kind of situation, do it without having to label them as stupid or that they're, that they're uh, shallow Christians or they don't believe in doctrine or theology the way you do. Number two is divide without disrespect. Number three, <laughs> divide. This is the next level. goes beyond disrespect. Divide without demonizing. So often when we are hurt, frustrated, angry, and we're under stress, when we have to leave, we don't want to just say 
that's a different thing. We start to say, one number, we do two things. One is they are either evil and terrible people or they're stupid. Evil or stupid is the two things we will label who see things differently. We demonize them. I want you to see a verse here uh, over in Ephesians. So if you're in Acts, flip to the right. And I want everybody to go there because it's so critically important about how we do, how what unity looks like and how to divide without being divisive, without disrespecting, without demonizing. Ephesians chapter four says this. Therefore, I, Paul's writing this, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you've been called by God. Now, anybody ever wonder what's God's will? What's God's call for my life? Anybody? We always wonder what that is. Like, what's my career? What's my, who should I marry? All that stuff. Look what his next thing is. What he tells us to do what your calling by God is. What's that first word of that next verse? Always, not sometimes. Not when they're a jerk. If they're a jerk or an idiot and a moron, then you can be as whatever you want to be. Always be humble and gentle. Some of us should meditate on that, that little phrase all week long. It would solve most of the problems in your relationships. Because even when it's about a core absolute thing and you need to, need to take a stand, uh-uh. be humble and gentle. Not a jerk for Jesus. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. You know what that means? There's people around you that are going to do dumb, stupid, wrong things. They're going to believe dumb, stupid, wrong things. Humble and gentle with them and recognize, hey, I've grown in my faith. I've, I used to see it this way and now I've grown and seen it differently. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And he says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And then he goes on to say, there's one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Always be humble and gentle. These all kind of are kind of overlapping concentric circles about what it means when it's time to move on, whatever the situation is, be quiet. Don't label people. And humility and gentleness is to be the mark of God's calling on your life. I don't know about you, so this may not be directed towards you. This may be people, people that come on Sunday morning. Maybe this doesn't apply to you. But as the Christian community in the United States of America, we are completely blowing that one as, as the, the people of God. If you were to ask people in our culture, describe Christians, humble and gentle would not be first on their list. It'd be angry, taking a stand, yelling at people, whatever. Uh, and I... Um, I heard a guy talk about this a couple of years ago, and it just came to me, reminded me of a message I heard uh, a, a, a little while back here. These, these things all happen in one week. Uh, Kanye put out his album called Jesus is King. And you should have heard and seen what all kinds of Christians did to go, I can't believe that Kanye's this and Kanye's that. I'm going, the guy has millions of followers and millions of people are going to be reached with this. And all he's talking about the fact is Jesus is king, not you. Could we just be excited about that? No, we got to go on the attack. And we have to demonize him and he's not this. And trust me, Kanye's got a whole bunch of stuff, man. That guy's, well, whatever. Uh, that same week, I'm not going to give you his name because I don't want to be divisive. A very famous pastor was at a big conference in Southern California. And there's a very famous Bible teacher. Her name is Beth Moore. 
She's from the South. Some of you love, you'll know that name. She's a Southern girl. I mean, she's as Southern as they come and she is feisty and fun. She's a very gifted teacher. Uh, this particular pastor disagrees with the fact that she should be teaching the Bible. There's particular theology on that. So at a conference, they were asking, hey, what, what would you tell Beth Moore if she were here today? And he said, I'd tell her to go home. Humble and gentle. <sighs> Same week. A few days later, Ellen DeGeneres was at a football game and was sitting in a suite thing with George Bush Jr. And she was called out on that. Because they completely, I mean, they're, they're completely different. Politically, religiously, completely different than each other on all their views. And she was called out by people in the Hollywood community and people out there asking about, quite, about this. And Ellen, when she was asked about it, they were interviewing her. She said, well, since when do you have to agree with everybody to just sit down and enjoy their company? And I thought about it. And the guy on this message was talking to me. I go, who acted most like a Christian that week? Someone who's by her, I think by her own admission would say, I'm not a Christian. Divide without demonizing. Number Four, <laughs> don't slam the door on your way out. See, this is difficult. When you're angry, when it, here, when conflict gets up here, you're going like this. It's very easy to write people off and go, they're just stupid. They're just dumb. We just write them off forever. And we, when we leave, we say things because we're of our emotions and all the heat of the moment. And we say all this and recognize Shh, at some point, you're going to see those people around town. And at some point, I'm telling you, this has happened here at Crosspoint Church. People got angry, mad, frustrated here. And they left. And because they left and the way they left was so, <sighs> they want to come back. Now they feel awkward, weird, and embarrassed about it. Like, look, if you're just quiet about it and gentle and humble as you leave, hey, you might discover, hey, I want to, you turn back here. And that's the case with relationships, with business world, whatever. Don't slam the door any way out. The, the word I would tell you to write down here is two words. When you're talking to people about what, how come we're splitting up, Use these words. Right now, I feel like I just can't stay in this. Right now, I feel like this. This is not forever. This is not like they're terrible. They're evil. We need to call down the wrath, fire, judgment of God, all that kind of stuff. No, no. Just, hey, right now, this is really difficult for me, and we see this so differently. I just can't stay here right now. And use the word right now, not forever. And number five, keep the main thing the main thing. I have seen this happen here in our city with people who came out of very difficult church situations. And I've talked to people at those churches, people who, who left those churches to go to different churches. Some of them came here or started something new. And what gets crazy if you're not careful, if you get all your emotions all and you're all, you're mad and angry about something all you start doing is defining what your life is all about or what your ministry is all about by what you're never going to be. We are never going to be a church that never does that again. We're not, and pretty soon it's like what we're not going to be. And what gets lost in that is the gospel and the glory of God. So easy to let the dispute and conflict take over. And do you see what happens here? <laughs> in, in Acts, that, that uh, we just took a look at here a few minutes ago. 
at the end of Acts 15, it says they, dis- they, they disagreed and they went their own separate ways. But you see what happened? What's that? Look, look at this for a second. If you read the scriptures there, we're going to find out that Luke, who is putting this whole account of the book of Acts together, he ends up, we're going to see it down in a few verses, in Paul's group, going out to start other churches. And he becomes part of Paul's missions group. Barnabas and John Mark go a different place. They, they divide. They go different places. And Luke, you can't find it here, who he thinks is right. He just tells us the story. He says, look what God, I think what he tells us, look what God did. Even out of two guys that were just too tightly wound and too, I won't back down. Uh, What Barnabas does, he goes back, look at the map up here. He goes back and visits the churches that they went on their first mission trip, does that little tour of the area. Uh, Barnabas is a shepherd. We know about Barnabas, he's a great encourager. Barnabas is one of the guys who guys care about people, develop people. It's like when we bring John Mark back, like, look, he's, he's grown, he's changed. Let's, let's, let's give him a chance. Let's give him a shot again to develop and grow him. So that's sensitive Barney or Barnabas. Super sensitive, probably on the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, DISC, whatever. He's the total, he's the feeler. He's the person like, I just care about people so much. He's got a shepherd's heart for people. So he goes back and visits those churches. And so you, you need that in leadership. Paul's more motto, who's more tightly wound, <laughs> he's an apostle, which means he has been sent out. And man, life, his motto is life's too short, hell's too hot, let's go. And look where he ends up going. Look at this map here. See over here where Antioch is, over here on this side? That's where Barnabas and those guys, they go Antioch and they come back down to Cyprus. That's where John, Mark, and Barnabas go. Saul, Paul, and a guy named Silas. And eventually Luke and some guys end up going all the way over here, get over to to Macedonia, to Corinth, uh, to Athens, and the cause of Christ grows. This all happens. And it's fascinating that we never get anybody, we don't know who's right or wrong. Because people ask, well, was Barnabas right or was Paul right? And the answer is, yeah. And what I love about it is <laughs> that God will even use foolish men and women who do dumb things sometimes who get stuck in their ways. And he says, the gates of hell will not stop my church. None of you fools are going to stop it. Even when there's this division and this device, uh, it's, they had to go their separate ways. And what I love about this is that people go, well, so what happened next? What, what happened years later? What, whatever happened to Barnabas, John Mark? We don't ever have what happened to Barnabas. The last time we hear about Barnabas in the whole Bible. But I want you to see this here. Find, this is at AD 49. So do some math here. AD 49. This is 49 years after Christ. So 48, AD 49 is when all this is happening, uh, when they head out on their second missionary journey. Find Colossians chapter 4. Colossians is Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, Paul is writing this letter to a church in Colossae. It's one of the churches he helps start. Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. You know where Paul writes this from? He's in prison. You know when he writes it? 
It's 13 years after this has all gone down. It's like AD 62. He's in like house arrest. It's not like a full-on dungeon prison because he's able to write letters and get things out. And it's clear here, Mark is now in Rome with Paul, helping him out, bringing him food. And he's saying, where, where Paul previously said, no way, he says, if he comes your way, you support that guy. Like something changed here, right? And it gets even better. Uh, what happens now five years after this is happening here in Colossians? Paul writes a letter to a guy named Timothy. Find the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. 2 Timothy 4, 11. Paul is now in like, I mean, is, he's going to be dead in just a, a couple of years. And he's writing to Timothy. It's probably the last letter he wrote, as far as we can tell. Timothy is a pastor at the church at Ephesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. He says, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating. This guy said, no way I'm taking that cat with me. Now says, I'm going to send him out to go all over the place to start, help start churches and develop these churches. He says, and when you come, uh, when he was writing to Timothy, hey, come see me here in Rome. Bring Mark with you. I want that guy on our team. And the big question is, so what happened here? You know what happened? R- write this down and then we'll, we'll chat for a bit. Sometimes it just takes some time. Sometimes Mark probably had to grow a little bit. He had to grow up. He had to get some, some more sturdiness under him to deal with trials and difficulties. And Paul probably gets to a place and goes, you know, hmm, I might have been a little too about stuff. I was so committed to the cause that I wasn't. We don't know. All we know is that 13 to 18 years later, Mark has grown. Paul has grown this saying, Let's do this together. The band's going to come up right now. Guys, even when you're right, even when you're right, you do your best to be at peace with everybody, and it doesn't always work out. It won't always work out where everything just, oh, we're all just together, and it's all resolved itself beautifully. Sometimes it just doesn't. So when you have to divide, divide without being divisive. Divide without disrespect. Divide without demonizing. Be careful about how you get on the way out the door. And make sure we keep the main thing, the main thing. We're going to give you a chance now to respond to some of this. God may be doing some things in your heart. We need to figure out some things. Just band's going to play. We're going to sing some songs together to worship God. In the four corners of the room is communion. It's bread and juice that symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus for us. And no matter what we ever talk about here at Crosspoint, whether it's something on the cross and the resurrection, like on Easter, or whether it's about conflict and division and difficulty in relationships, we're always going to bring you eventually back to Jesus. And just say, just whatever happens, keep your eyes on him. Because if you're not careful, we will get our eyes on the people around us. 
And the people sitting next to you, the people sitting across this room from you, the people out there in your family, in your workplace, in your small group are going to make you angry and let you down. They're just going to. And when it gets difficult, get your eyes off of them. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I we invite you to come to those tables of communion today to remember Jesus and what he did for us. Our prayer team is also at the back of the house today. If you need prayer for anything going on in your life, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, just make your way back there. People move around the house uh, and receive communion. Go back there and get prayer. Jesus, today, help us with this. Practically, God, I think there's just so many times when we just miss this. I just miss this. So help us. And I don't even know what else to pray there, God, because I know that there are situations here. I just look around in this room today and just know situation, situation, situation. God, we want to glorify you even when we have to separate, even when we have to, there's no way to resolve the conflict. Help us figure out how to do that. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.